The Max and Lewis feud is nowhere near ending. Welcome to the A Racing Podcast. My name's Adam. Alongside me is Mitch this week. And Mitch, we're heading to the Hungarian Grand Prix last race before the summer break with a lot of controversy heading in and a rivalry that has hit another level. And it will go to a new level for sure. I am very excited for Hungary to see like oh man that 600 meters or whatever it is from the grid to turn one turn one is to me is where this race could be make or break because i think in hungary the inside lane is who has pole position so if hamilton wins pole he's got instant advantage going in to turn one but that doesn't mean that max adventurous max won't try going all the way around the outside (laughs) which then if they do go through turn one side by side and they get to like through that little kink into the first kind of big sweeping left before uh the middle sector begins it it could just be we could have another incident like silverstone but um i don't know i'm just very excited to see what happens i'm excited to see truly kind of how max responds because when you when you have an impact of 51 G's like I don't care how many tests you have in hospital and how well you feel walking around it is a different thing when you're put back into certain g-forces which around Hungary there are some pretty fast paced corners that these drivers go through where they experience G's in that kind of three and a half to five range so I'm curious to see kind of how Max responds to that aspect of it. Because it is, like, again, like I said, you could feel good just walking around just in regular life conditions. But putting back in a race scenario where he's experiencing G-forces on all angles of his body, how will he respond? Actually, touching on that as well, uh, just kind of curious because you weren't with us last episode. Uh, what were your thoughts on the crash? Do you think it was a racing incident? Because I, I think it, I would say racing incident, but also understand the penalty. Uh, what, what were your thoughts? Um, oh god, not to put you on the spot or anything. I'm with a lot of people on social media who are like, Red Bull just needs to drop it and move on. But at the same time, I get it why they're doing it because it was a serious thing um we've seen some challenges like this in the past i think sebastian vettel uh when he was in ferrari they had a challenge back in like 2018 or something like that for a similar sort of incident they appealed it the appeal ended up getting rejected because they didn't bring forward any new evidence at all so what evidence does red bull have in their back pocket if they do have any um, and if they do, and the FIA comes back and says, okay, the stewards of Silverstone need to review this again and assess a penalty, well, like, Lewis won the race already, so nothing's going to change from that. But the time penalties moving forward, like, does it get bumped up to, you know, your 10-second stop-and-go penalty? Does it get bumped up to, you know the big 30 second penalty that we very rarely see i think sergio had one earlier this year and like the first or second race he got the big 30 second penalty but i mean the race is on sunday my gut feeling is like just drop it and focus because 
all of this kind of pomp and circumstance off the track does get very distracting. <laughs> so I, if I'm Red Bull, I just want Max to focus. So I'm not going to, I mean, I'm going to fight for my driver, but I don't feel like they need to publicize it as much as they have. So to touch on this kind of whole situation, basically what happens is Red Bull files what they call a petition for review, and anyone can do that on any steward decision. I think actually Alfa Romeo did it earlier this year for um, Kimi Raikkonen. I think he was caught kind of going too fast in the double yellows um, at, at some track, and they ended up withstanding the, or keeping the penalty as is. Because basically what teams have to do is they need to come in and say, okay, from all the stuff that happened and they investigated from the stewards, they missed this and bring in new footage that wasn't available or or evidence or some data that was unavailable that could change someone's investigation. So as you were mentioning with that Canadian Grand Prix, um, that was the one where Sebastian Vettel went wide off of turn three and kind of the uh, S that went that goes right left, went off the track kind of saved his car coming back on, but squeezed Lewis Hamilton almost into the wall. They gave Vettel a five-second penalty. Lewis ended up winning by finishing second, and within five seconds, that was the whole Vettel coming over and changing the first and second place boards. And they basically what Red Bull brought forward was uh, analysis by Kroon Chantok with Sky Sports F1, and they were like, yeah, I'm not buying that. And basically shut down that investigation, uh, or the petition for the investigation. So, apparently Helmut Marko, the Red Bull advisor who was calling for a race ban, um, he told a uh, media group, uh, RTL, that they will be bringing some new facts that will prove their point and could change, uh, maybe shed some new light on the investigation and the situation that took place. Which, again, we don't know what that is, or what they're producing, I'm curious to see what they have because this is going to be taking place on Thursday. Um, and yeah, so what, what happens if it does go forward? So what will happen is it could lead to a further penalty, like a 10-second stop-and-go penalty, and it, it apparently it can be applied to that race. So that could be an extra 20 seconds on Lewis Hamilton's time, which would, as I was just looking in the race standings, drop him down to third in the stand. Uh, yeah in the race, give Charlotte Claire the win, and give Bottas second place. Or they could even take the extreme step and give him a race ban for his actions. So it's a bold call, but I do agree with you. I think it is time to just kind of move on. Like, it's happened. Why not channel it? I mean, that's 10 races of 23. There's still 13 more races to go, including Hungary this weekend. I guess you have the right to do it. But at the same time, it's like, let's just move on and kick his butt this race and have some good momentum heading into the summer break. Because if you focus too much on this, Hamilton wins again in Hungary. Mercedes is going to have the momentum heading into the summer break. And who knows what happens at that point. So I do agree with you, but I guess Red Bull doesn't quite agree or they're bluffing a little bit. Who knows? Well, one of the things that doesn't really also doesn't really make sense for me for this whole thing is like I said you're, you're going to protect your driver but if Red Bull had lost the lead in the drivers and the constructors championships as a result of that result at Silverstone I get this appeal because that 
could have just broke their whole season and their efforts to be constructors champion and have Max be drivers champion. But in this scenario, they're still leading in both both championships. Like, yeah, sure, it's only four points in the constructors championship, but that's still four points. Like, if Max in this next race, let's say we get a surprise winner filling a name, whoever, and then Max gets third and Lewis finishes second, that's a three-point gap. The gap is one. Like, it's it's not like there's a massive jump in the point standings that that four points will evaporate like that, unless somebody has a DNF or finishes well below the other. But we expect Max and Lewis to be in the top three every race. And in the top three, again, unless you get first and second, where there's a seven-point gap, less, of course, the fastest lap giving an extra point, that lead in the constructors isn't just going to disappear like that. I mean, obviously, you have two drivers. That makes a difference. If Perez finishes poor or Bottas finishes poor, it has a, an ability to swing both ways. But, again, like, just drop it, Red Bull. Like, it's done. It's over with. I mean, Verstappen says he's absolutely fine. That's according to F1's website. He actually even raced in a 24-hour eSports race to see how he'd react staying in one position for a long period of time. And, like, Formula One races aren't 24 hours. So if he can sit in one spot for 24 hours, again, it doesn't include the G-forces that they experience in the real-life car. But I don't know. I think he's fine. I, I mean, of course, you're going to see guys like Nico Rosberg, who used to be Lewis's teammate, which that's the other point to make kind of, I guess, about this, is that if this was back in the 2016 season and previous, when Lewis and Nico had their bitter rivalry and they were crashing each other off track, you would never see an appeal within an own team between two different drivers if something like this happened. Yeah. It's just because of the fact that it's two different teams that you see it happening. But for him, like Nico, I mean, we saw Nico earlier this year call Lewis a little soft in certain parts for some of the moves he made. Now he likes to stir the pot again. And he says, apparently he told Sky Sports F1 um, that we're going to see more contact between the two this year. I mean, like I said, Nico's had his own fair share of crashes with Lewis. I would, I, part of me hopes that we don't see like DNF type crashes between Max and Lewis because I'd rather see both of them on track racing because I feel like if they don't, then that hurts the sport as much as it opens up opportunities for people like Sergio and Valtteri and Lando even. Contact is almost inevitable in every F1 race. But like I said, the DNF side of things, to crash somebody out of a race, I don't think I want to see that the rest of the year. Especially a high-speed corner like there was with the crash of cops like that was scary that was like there was a brief moment where i held my breath because i was you just saw verstappen fly out of the picture and you're like oh my god please tell me he's okay and we don't want to see we don't want to see another grosjean happen and i mean grosjean's okay of course but like that one looked quite terrifying but like, I, I, there will be contact. I guarantee you that there's going to be some... If there's still the title race and they're still side-by-side, side, we've seen... Like, Lewis has pointed out before that Max is always aggressive. He's the guy who's always trying to take. And Hamilton has been giving, and we saw in Cops, 
he's no longer willing to give. And with those two guys heading into turns, and they've been battling each other for all but one race. I think they've been involved in some kind of pass or on-track battle during the race. There will be contact at some point. You look at Imola, Max runs Hamilton off at turn one, turn two, that first chicane. Um, even this incident, I mean, you, like you say, Hamilton's, you know, not willing to give again. There were certain elements of that he couldn't control. Like for him to be fully corked, turning right, and just experience a waft of understeer. It, like that's why everybody's like, oh, this is just a racing incident. It's a racing incident. Because... There's nothing Hamilton can do at that point. He's just a passenger. And, I mean, we saw a pretty much similar scenario in the sprint race between the two at the exact same corner. So, contact, is it intended? I mean, there's all the memes flying around of, like, how Lewis has done this to Red Bull drivers in the past where he touches their back wheel and they go spitting off. But I don't think it's intentional. If you're Hamilton, you're not going to try to hit a guy because you could wreck your own car. What if he ended up clipping Verstappen? Sure, Verstappen spins out, but say Verstappen's left or right rear ends up surviving the crash and Lewis's tire goes off. Then his championship hopes are in serious jeopardy. I, I don't get that argument of him doing it on purpose. And also that's, yes, Lewis can be aggressive at times, but that's I, I just don't see Lewis as a guy who would purposely take some guy out while he's racing with the championship maybe last race of the season they're at Abu Dhabi coming down the final stretch on the final lap and there's contact yeah that could happen that's fair they're battling for a title but I I just like in a turn like that moment like that I just don't see Lewis being that kind of guy but apparently that that's a decision for the stewards to make I guess and it's interesting you mentioned how Lewis could have wrecked his own car. I did see one headline from this week, last week, saying that if it weren't for the red flag, Lewis would have DNF'd. Right. So it's like, okay. I mean, he didn't get away scot-free. Everybody says he did because, of course, he came back to win the race and whatever. And I, I mean, Well, that's the flaw of the red flag rule, but that's a different story. Yeah, and people people bring up the fact that, oh, he passed Lando and he passed Charles at the same corner and nothing happened. Lando let him go by. Like, Lando said in interviews all week after that race at Silverstone saying it's like, I know that I, like mentally, if you put me in a Red Bull, I can beat Max and Sergio. You put me in a Mercedes beside Valtteri or Lewis, I can go punch for punch with them. But in the current car I'm in, I can't. Like, I know I'm just not on their level. So the race that Lando was racing was just with the Ferraris. And sure, you see Charles pass then, where Lando or uh, Lewis gets past Charles Leclerc for the win, essentially. Like, again, Charles was so gutted after the race because he just knew that he had to defend for his life. But there just wasn't anything in the car to do that. And Charles did stick it in the corner. Like, he stuck it around the turn, but then just got a wash of, I guess it would have been oversteer and had to correct. So, it's not like, the, like, they had a fair battle. It's just, 
there was, I think, a little bit of pinching on both sides with Verstappen and Hamilton, which... Well, for sure, and you actually mentioned that pass through the corner, is that there is a shot that I saw on social media that shows where Charles is going around the outside of Lewis in that exact same corner at Cops, and the pictures of Lewis and Charles and Max and Lewis are beside each other, and they're pretty much the exact same photo. But then the video rolls on, and Hamilton actually hits the apex of the corner against Charles, which is why he's able to make the pass. With Max, he didn't. He wasn't even close to the apex of the corner. So I don't feel like that's a fair comparison either. But, I mean, now we wait. We like How hungry isn't necessarily the easiest track when it comes to keeping it within the lines i know like we've talked about playing the f1 game and i know that's not real life but like there's so many lefts and rights in quick succession that if you're trying to carry any amount of speed through those corners which if you're a competitive racer you will it is very challenging to get the line right especially when you're battling a car beside you so i i don't know bottom line is red bull needs to drop it they need to move on, and I'm excited for Hungary to see this title fight continue in what is now, I'm just excited for round 11. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, there were a couple of the notes um, off track, um, just kind of on this week leading up to the race. Uh, this is as of Wednesday, so if anything came out on Thursday, like maybe the review, uh, we'll update that after the race. But anyways, Alpine, uh, they've joined Haas in shifting their focus completely to the new 2022 car. So basically, they've got a couple more parts they're going to bring in later on in the season, but they're done focusing on developing in the 2021 car, and they're focusing on the new regulations and this new car that they're bringing in. Uh, Obviously, Alpine a little bit further down the standings. Right now, they are sitting uh, just about nine points behind AlphaTauri, but that's for fourth in the championship. So... Right now they're in seventh, or they're being, sorry, Alpha Tauri right now is in fifth in the standings. Alpine to be fighting for, or right now they're in seventh. So they don't really have a, like they have a couple spots to gain, but realistically they're focusing now on next year and making sure that they have a strong start to this new car of the future. So they join Haas. Haas pretty much started at Bahrain to start the season because, you know, um, yeah, anyways, um, I've also seen some rumors that Aston Martin has done the same thing because they're just a couple points ahead of Alpine, but I haven't seen any confirmation from anyone on that. But uh, yeah, that's the situation. We've now got two teams fully focused on 2022 for now. Which there's lots to focus on. I mean, you're you're getting rid of all your uh, carbon fiber bits along the floor and having that leading floor edge, the barge boards. Totally different thing going back to ground effect next year. So, Yeah, there's a lot to develop on those cars. And uh, it'll be fascinating to see, especially with this Red Bull and Mercedes fight, how much they can focus on next year while focusing on this year. So that that's interesting. Uh, off track as well, uh, Lewis Hamilton announced a new initiative to support diversity and inclusion in motorsport uh, with Mercedes. It's called Ignite. Basically, it's um, I like this idea because they're targeting students in science, technology, engineering, and math, or also known as STEM classes. Basically, also targeting underrepresented backgrounds by kind of providing more educational resources for teachers and students. Obviously, helping to kind of develop the next generation of kids who might not otherwise get a chance to 
become part of F1 or motorsport. So another great thing that Lewis is doing when it comes to uh, trying to diversify the sport because, I mean, he's one of the, when he joined F1, he was one of the few black guys in racing. And I'm glad that we're trying to make a move towards diversity in the sport because there's a lot of great minds out there that don't get the chance and hopefully this gives them a chance yep you got future race engineers waiting to be found exactly so yeah that, that, that's kind of all the stuff off the track looking at the track itself the hungaro ring it is a higher speed kind of version of monaco it's it's not quite tight quarters but there's not a lot of runoff you could say in most of the sections of the track as uh, we Max Verstappen learned last year in the warm-up, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, a lot of winding sections, one long front stretch where you'll probably see about 95% of the passing opportunities. And the first lap is key. I was seeing Aston Martin, they do a weekly kind of preview on Wednesdays of whatever circuit they're going to. They say there were 15 first lap passes or, or changes of position. And... Because obviously everyone's close, and then as soon as you get behind someone, you get behind their dirty air, it's tough to follow them. So turn one is going to be crazy. The first four or five turns could be wild. So we'll keep an eye on that. Turn six is also a tricky one. It's a high-speed kind of kink that goes to the left. It always catches me out when I'm doing the uh, the track on F1 2021. A uh, bit of a rough runoff as well. So that's a tough corner. And then... As we were touching on, but last year, um, Verstappen, as he was coming around, I think it was like turn eight or nine, he ended up, it was a wet track, ended up sliding out, hitting the barrier, uh, damaged his uh, front suspension and his wing, and they had a dramatic and heroic repair of his front suspension. We were able to fix it with just 25 seconds to go on the grid, and then... Uh, just to get him on the track. Lewis would end up winning the race, but it was a great effort by Verstappen's team. So, um, yeah, it should be an interesting race. And I forgot to mention here as well, uh, keep an eye on Ferrari because they look fast in Monaco. This might be a maybe their last chance to really have a good shot at winning this season. Yeah, they're very good in slow, slower speed corners. Um, and it, mainly because of the fact that this type of track, like, the, like a Monaco, really eliminates their tire wear issue that they have on some of the higher speed tracks and tire temperature issue um so yeah they could perform very very well this weekend uh i mean they're very close in the standings i mean obviously you have leclerc and science that are back to back um in the standings trying to chase lando um and then of course ricardo's right behind them but uh yeah, that title fight for third and the constructors could get real spicy this weekend. I'm looking for uh, kind of a Ferrari and McLaren checkerboard probably on the leaderboard this weekend. I don't know if you'll see necessarily uh, Lando run away with it or Charles run away with it as an example, but uh, um, it's going to be definitely from that maybe even three, maybe even the third spot on the podium, down from there. It's going to be very close between those two teams. I mean, obviously, you expect probably 1-2 is going to be Max or Lewis, Lewis or Max. 
pending some sort of failure or pitch strategy blunder or something like that. Like you said, it's a track that... Or they get together. Or coming together, yeah. It's a track you really only have, like, one passing opportunity unless you're that ballsy to try somewhere else. Yeah, turn one is kind of the only place to make a pass. Maybe turn two around that long sweeping left-hand turn uh, because there's another DRS zone that goes towards that one. But, yeah, it's tough to make passes there. The only other way you can really make progress on the track, uh, a couple years ago at Hungary, Hamilton was behind Verstappen, could not pass him, so he made an extra pit stop, was on soft tires essentially compared to, or much grippier tires compared to Max, and then ended up ripping by him. It was still on the front stretch, but that's kind of the only other way you can make progress on that track when you're behind other cars. So it could end up being a bit of a procession after the first lap, but we'll keep an eye on everything and how it all plays out. Which basically, those first two corners, I think you'll whoever leads after that will have a, like I said, a, barring a pit strategy masterclass or folly, whoever's leading, I think, will likely win the race. Because if you get outside of one second, which we've seen, Red Bull is really good with higher downforce circuits, whereas Mercedes, like you think about back at Baku, they weren't all that successful in that twisty middle sector of that street circuit so this could be a, a rough weekend uh, for Mercedes which would I mean Max Verstappen wouldn't mind because last last race at Silverstone he saw his lead in the constructor standings falter a little bit he's sitting at 185 right now Lewis coming into this race at 177 so a nice little eight point gap there that could just evaporate again if, if Lewis wins and Max finishes even third that's like 10 points nearly 11 points if depending on fastest lap so yeah that's a that's a big swing there um as i mentioned lando norris kind of the surprise of the season just rocking it in the mclaren man 113 points he is currently p3 in the driver's standings valtteri bottas close behind about five back at 108 sergio perez 104 and then you got the Ferraris, Leclerc at 80, Sainz at 68, leading Ricardo, who's back at 50. I'm sure Lando would like to see his teammates show up this weekend. That's for sure. Uh, Pierre mm-hmm. Gasly for the Alphataris, 39 points on the season. Sebastian Vettel, 30. Fernando Alonso, 26. I'm actually really excited. You mentioned about Alpine developing fully 2022. I think he's a major reason why they've shifted that focus. He's done well so far to have 26 points in that Alpine this year. Uh, Vettel's teammate Stroll, 18 points this year. And then, of course, Fernando Alonso's compatriot, Esteban Ocon, sitting at 14. Yuki Tsunoda, the lagging Alphatari, he's kind of struggled to find his form so far this year. He's got 10 points. And then you have our Alfa Romeo friends who are (laughs) sitting at one point apiece. Yeah, oh, exactly. And uh, looking at the team standings as well, it's a tight battle up top and pretty much tight battles all the way down. You got Red Bull, 289 after their uh, really, I guess, underwhelming race at Silverstone where they really only picked up three points for the entire weekend, uh, which allowed Mercedes to claw their way back in. They're now at only four points behind Red Bull with 285. Uh, McLaren, meantime, well behind those two, obviously. 
Uh, there are 163 in third. Ferrari, just 15 behind them with 148. Alpha Tauri in fifth with the 49 points. Aston Martin, just one behind them at 48. Alpine has 40, and Alfa Romeo with two back in eighth. Of course, you got Haas and Williams down there with zero. So good battles all the way up and down the team standing, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Will we be able to see George Russell make another Q3? You know what? I think we could because... So I guess this wouldn't apply for the Saturday, but... um. I, I think we could see him get a Q3. And then for Sunday, I was just did a quick Google of the Hungaro ring weather. Um, according to Google's first thing that pops up, like the weather thing on weather.com, which might not be accurate, it probably isn't, uh, Sunday forecast is for thunderstorms. Oh. oh. <laughs> could we see a full wet race on Sunday? That would shake things up massively. Oh, wouldn't it? That would be uh, quite a change, especially if it happens mid-race. I'm hoping that happens. I always love when you have that transition period from dries to wets. You you never get a boring race when that happens. (laughs) Exactly. So we'll see how it all plays out. Uh, Taking a look at North Americans racing. Nothing really happening this weekend in terms of uh, both IndyCar and NASCAR, but there are some things to talk about. Uh, First with NASCAR, uh, because this kind of came out after we finished recording the podcast last week. Brad Kozlowski will will become an owner-driver as part of a partnership with Roush Fenway Racing. He'll be taking over the sixth car that is occupied by Ryan Newman. So that's kind of interesting. And the uh, two car that he's vacating, I believe, is being replaced by... uh, He'll be replaced by Austin Sindrick. So uh, another young guy coming up and... Kozlowski becoming uh, maybe a transition towards the next phase of his career after racing? Yeah, I don't think he's quite ready to hang up the race suit yet. Uh, I mean, it's obviously one of those things that when you've done this for so long, and especially as long as Brad Kozlowski's done it, uh, it's hard to let go. And I I know last week when we had talked about uh, him leaving the number two car, it was kind of like, oh, crap like he's gone like he he won't be back but then sure enough the news comes out now that well he's going to be an owner driver like you said pending towards the future probably just owner (laughs) but he'll always be around the sport um and now i mean you push ryan newman out of a car but i mean he's still got some time left i feel so yeah he might have a little bit of time left i don't know if I don't know if anyone will pick up Ryan Newman, but I mean, he might have one or two more years left. He's obviously been racing since I think the early 2000s. I think he was a rookie in like 2002, I think. So um, we'll see if anyone picks him up. But yeah, that's kind of an ex- exciting move for Keselowski, I imagine, and for the family. So, But speaking of an old hat, go on to IndyCar, Helio Castroneves. Coming back full-time <laughs> in 2022. Yeah, so he'll be joining that Meyer Shank team that uh, he won the Indy 500 with, which is awesome. I'm just glad to see Elio back in the sport. Especially, and it, but it will be a little bit interesting to see him without uh, full-time, not in a Penske car, because obviously that's who he kind of made himself a superstar with. So, uh Obviously, we've seen his skill in the Indy 500. I can't wait to see what happens when he's behind the wheel for a full season. And uh, the team also did announce uh, Jack Harvey is going to be gone after this year, which some pretty decent results. He had some good showings, but just not enough results. And maybe there's something kind of behind the scenes. Who knows? 
Yeah, there was also kind of some interesting stuff uh, for another oval track. Yeah, Mr. Roman Grosjean, the guy who has a street named after him somewhere in the States now. He's gaining popularity in the IndyCar world, and he actually had his first practice laps on an oval at the Worldwide Technology Raceway recently. Now, Grosjean, of course, we've always remembered that fiery crash he had in Bahrain last year. The speeds in Formula One are much higher than the speeds in IndyCar in certain cases. Uh, part of the reason why Grosjean actually said he'd hold off on ovals because of the constant high speeds. Um, but he did open up to a late season oval at the track now. And uh, I mean, does this mean that he'll race ovals moving forward? We don't know. But I think it's a good kind of get your feet wet, get your toes wet. Um, especially because it's just practice laps, that maybe in the future we could see Roman Grosjean in the Indy 500. So kind of interesting potential development with that as well is that uh, they were revealed on Wednesday that uh, actually Grosjean's family was with him as well, including his three kids. And that was the first time the kids had ever seen him actually racing at the track. So he, he said that that was really important for him to have his family there because obviously they were stuck at home in Bahrain when they saw that crash. So you know, obviously they couldn't have really done anything at the track, but at least you're there. Uh, being watching it on a TV, I can't imagine what that be, be, would be like. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe that'll make a huge uh, uh, an impact on his decision. No, them seeing him there and that he's okay, and that we've seen with the aero screen, uh, there was a couple crashes earlier this year that looked pretty bad but people got out of them all right and also uh kind of interesting as well the family's going to stick around in america for the next couple of races so that's the nashville race and then at the indy road course another guy talking about uh doing a test at homestead uh, at homestead miami in late august is jimmy johnson who is opening up as well about being in the indy 500 next year so yeah kind of interesting developments for the two rookies i mean Jimmy's been very familiar with oval racing for a lot of years. So for him, I think it's a matter of, you know, came to grips with the car this year being a rookie in IndyCar, and I I would love to see him at the Indy 500 in 2022. That'd be phenomenal. Yeah, to see those two guys on the track would be quite fun to watch. So, yeah, again, IndyCar is also off this week as well. So... Uh, we thought we'd take a few minutes uh, before we kind of wrap up the show here to talk about something that we both are quite, um, I'd say, passionate about, which would be uh, kind of the F1 video games. And the latest edition, F1 2021, it's been out for a couple of weeks now. And uh, kind of have our thoughts on how everything played out with the new story mode that they have, the uh, return of the My Team Career mode where you make your own team. We just want to kind of have a quick chat on it. Uh, I will note, we are going to put a timestamp in the show notes about kind of where we're going to talk about the spoilers or breaking point because it's a good story mode and I don't want to spoil it. So uh, we will jot down when it starts uh, in the show notes. So Mitch, what were your thoughts on breaking point? Well, first of all, and I was just telling another friend this last night about the F1 2021 game. The new consoles, obviously, the Xbox Series S and X and then the PS5, have been touted as some of the fastest tech on the market. I never truly realized how fast the console was until I put F1 2021 in 
for the first time. Typically, yep. past memories, whether it's like PCs, a little bit quicker, of course. It's similar levels, depending on how good of a PC you have, to the PS5. But PlayStation 4, I remember sticking in a game, and you wait, and you wait in the first loading screen, and you wait to get into the menus, and then it's collect connecting to online services, and that takes probably, you're sitting there for like two minutes at the max. As fast as maybe like a what, one minute, a minute and 15 seconds. Literally, I put this game in my console. Well, I have the digital version, so I just start it up, and two seconds... I am in the menus entering to play. First off, that the speed is unreal. So loading times, really happy that they're so low, that it's that fast. Um, but as for the game itself, there I mean, I've come across a lot of different bugs with the game, which you think mm-hmm. about when you have a, a game like this coming out that's licensed by F1, maybe they would have had some of these things ironed out prior to launch and release, but... With COVID, of course, maybe there's some exceptions. I know, like, for example, voice control. So in past F1 games, you've had a, the ability to use your microphone and essentially talk to your engineer and ask for information on the race, your car, the weather, to tell them you're coming into box, things like that. That, so far, is not active, as far as I know, on any consoles except the PS4 and then PC if you own the game. So that they're going to patch in sometime later. But where they knocked it out of the park in this game is their story mode. I mean, go signing on with EA, we've seen with the FIFA games, the Journey series, which has lasted like three consecutive games. I don't think that it was in twenty at FIFA 21, but I know, I, I believe it was in FIFA 20, their final installment of that story mode. And it was phenomenal. Breaking point, what they've dubbed this story mode, oh, equally phenomenal. We loved the story in F1 2019 when we were introduced to the most hated character in a video game story, Mr. Devin Butler. I don't know anybody who likes him. I mean, (laughs) there's a YouTuber, Ben Daly is his name. Uh, He did an interview and a race actually in one of his videos with the physical actor of Devin Butler, but it's not even, he doesn't even speak for Devin Butler. He's just the face that they recorded into the game. And he said that it was like he, you know, got offered to do the face for this character and like didn't really know much about what the story was going to go until all of a sudden people were like messaging him on Twitter saying it's like, you're the most hated character in this video game and whatever. (laughs) So bottom line for breaking point, he is still the most hated rival you will have. We talked about Nico stirring the pot. He is the master of deceit, the master of lies, everything like that. But the way they put the story mode together I personally really liked. I like the idea of having different chapters that you'd go through, having menus where you would go and you'd see all the emails that come through, all of your social media tweets from different people, um, the main news feed on a TV. It kind of reminded me a little bit of sort of uh, like F1 2010 through 2016, like where you had a bunch of those different 
places to go. Obviously, with my team and the way they've had in the recent games, it's all kind of all been in one spot. You haven't literally gone to different parts of a screen in the same room to see anything. But yeah, it, just a phenomenal series. Great. And the characters and the character development. I don't feel like I was really left wanting for anything more from anybody. Aside from literally just wanting more of the story mode (laughs) after it ended. Uh, Because there are only 16 chapters within this, which you can play through in, I think, about just under eight hours is what they say if you go through everything. Um, But just a a really nice first installment on the story mode, and I really hope they do more on it coming forward. Yeah, or they build something different and, and make it brand new. Um, I, I like the storylines that they built as well. Like, um, and I guess we're now getting into full spoiler conversation, but like building kind of like the young up and coming rookie that you start off with driving for going up against the veteran, finding out that, or thinking that he hates you. And then the older guy thinks he hates you and you actually get into a tussle and then find out that, you know, it's the guy that everybody hates that's causing all of it. But then, like, you get all these different scenarios as well where you have to get up to a certain position by whatever lap. And then a CGI cutscene comes out. And honestly, the cutscenes are one of my favorite parts of this whole thing is, like, they are extremely detailed. They look not obviously not realistic in terms of, like, literally, like, if I'm watching an actual race. But, like, as realistic as you can get kind of in the gaming side of that they have and... The post-race conversations are great. It kind of works for everyone, and I completely agree. I hope they bring it back for 2022 because I will buy the game immediately. Yep. And, I mean, let's face it. They may not have the same characters moving forward. I would have liked to see, because we've seen it in in some of the Madden games that EA has made where you're a character in a story mode, and then when you go to start your driver career, or, like, your NFL career, you have an option to carry on as the story from, like, the character from the story mode, which the premise of Breaking Point is, I mean, obviously, you miss a Breaking Point. In the very last episode, we talk about Devin Butler, how much he's hated by everybody. He makes a dive bomb of massive proportions on the veteran of the team, who is Casper Aikman, and you just see a puff of smoke because he locks up all four tires crashes India and crashes himself out of the race and I don't know about you but I stood up and danced after that because <laughs> it was such a uh, oh, just justified thing a long time coming for Devin Butler but it would have been nice to see at the end so depending on the, the team you chose in the story mode you can choose at the beginning the three bottom feeder teams so you have Haas Williams Alfa Romeo, or you could also choose Alphatari and then Racing Point, which eventually becomes Aston Martin. And depending on which team you choose, whether it's a Mercedes engine, Ferrari engine, or Honda, that's the team that you ultimately would would have gotten promoted to from Aiden Jackson's first season at the end of Breaking Point. Now they left us hanging. Like I said, it would have been great to see like the Madden games where you get to continue on as Aiden Jackson in the top team and just drive as him, you know, moving forward and stuff like that. I mean, they if you just bought the game, you get Aiden Jackson 
like face and hat and like outfit and everything. So you could technically race, I guess, on your own. But then, he, then that's making your own storylines. But they, yeah, they, yeah, make your own storylines. But um, yeah, just a phenomenal, phenomenal series for a first installment to a kind of a really dedicated type of uh, story mode for this franchise. I imagine it will only expand and get better as EA becomes more involved moving forward. Because right. of course, EA bought Codemasters out within the last year but it being covid and them already having essentially f1 2021 nearly finished ea essentially just put in a stamp at the beginning with their logo and that's kind of their only involvement Codemasters is still making the game getting everything involved with the game and that is the way it is moving forward but it'll be interesting to see kind of how ea influences it moving forward i mean everybody's been worried about the microtransactions codemasters aside from even ea brought in their own podium pass which is essentially like a a battle pass that you see in a lot of battle royale modes nowadays where you get cosmetic items that doesn't actually affect the performance of the game um so i'm fascinated to see Uh, ea is always about the stories like i said you've seen it in fifa you've seen it in madden so I imagine that story modes in the F1 game will be a staple moving forward. It's just about how good they are. And does the quality of it make the game, you know, even more viable to purchase? Because my team was there last year for the first time, and F1 2020 sold like mad because all of a sudden you could create your own team, create your own livery, your cars, hire your own teammates, manage facilities, manage upgrades and all that stuff and it's back again this year in this game of course um with some really exciting additions in the settings i feel anyway Uh, i would agree with that too there's a lot of uh things you can change when it comes to uh just impacting so many different parts of not just that career uh but kind of how how many development points your team gets how much money you get compared to the uh, ai teams you can turn on uh, having issues for your own car so previous years other cars would have engines blow up now yours could blow up unexpectedly even if you have a fresh engine you could have an engine issue poof it goes or i had a situation in one race i think it was over in uh the netherlands where i was had a really strong run at that point and then all of a sudden my ers got stuck open so all of a sudden i had no ers left and i'm frantically hitting the button to turn it off but it's not turning off and I had to wait about two laps before it actually turned off. So, like, that can happen. You can increase the amount of safety cars that come out. It, it really opens up the ability to kind of keep it simple. Or, if you want to really fine-tune and detail how you want to kind of head into this career, you have the option to do so. And it has made it quite a bit more fun and a lot more challenging. Like, at this point, I'm about halfway through my first season. About that point in 2020... Even with kind of higher difficulty levels, I was able to get up to mid-pack. I'm still fighting with the bottom feeders. And I, I just got lucky with one race where there were three separate major crashes involving front runners. Yeah, the, the My Team mode has taken, I don't know if I would say to a new level, but it's definitely taken a massive step forward. Yep, and just that much more to pay attention to like you said you can have your own little technical issues like ers being stuck on 
I, of course, in F1 2020, they had your DRS get stuck open. There's now, you can have engine failures, different failures to your different part of your engines itself. So you have your ICE, which is your combustion engine that can fail totally. And then I think there's four other components, your turbocharger, your uh, MGUH, MGUK, um, and then your energy store. All of those things can fail in this game. And something actually cool that I saw some of the YouTubers have happen too is that, so in F1 2020, one of the big frustration points for me with my team or really any race that you're doing against some AI is that my tire wear could be awful. I could have like 75% tire wear and that was the, the tipping point in that game where as soon as you reach 75%, you could receive a puncture and then you're basically your race is over because you have to pit to fix that. But some people in this game in F1 2021 have showed video where all of a sudden AI get punctures. So that to me is a big improvement because now it adds an extra level of kind of unpredictability from an AI perspective to say, okay, now like a lead a front runner, again, the best teams have all the best tire wear upgrades and whatever. So they may not experience it that often, but it is possible. And the fact that it is possible is exciting. Um, and it just goes to show that truly with this game, they have put a big focus on damage to the car and damage and wear on different components. We Last year's game, we had, you know, you could obviously damage your wheels, your front wing, and that was basically their damage model. <laughs> you could get punctures, you could break your front wing, you have to get it changed. But this year, they brought it to the full car. You can damage your floor, you can damage your barge boards, you can damage your side pods, you can damage your rear diffuser, your rear wing, all of these things. And all those items I just listed, you can't fix in the middle of the race. So you get it, you will just fall back and fall back and fall back and just miserably, I guess, try to struggle through it. I haven't experienced any personally yet, but I have seen other people who, if you go over the curbs in this game, which I guess that maybe is a point to itself, how the curbs, they've updated them to be more realistic. And now, I mean, good luck. <laughs> Stay off the curbs everywhere. Because basically, if you go on them, you'll either spin out, you'll damage your floor, and then you're going to be slow. Or, I mean, I've seen videos of AI going over the curbs and almost flying off the map. Those are maybe some bugs they got to fix. <laughs> yeah, and touching on the damage model as well, one of the few complaints I have about it is sometimes it's tough to tell if you even have damage. So like I, I had the situation where I was losing a lot of grip and I was wondering why I was losing a lot of grip. I think it was Austria where I had, I, but I rode over the curb, but it doesn't, usually the game kind of changes the color of your car from like of the damaged area from a nice green to kind of a... a yellowish green but it didn't show up so i was like why am i losing so much speed around the corners it turns out that i probably did have some kind of damage to my floor but i didn't know so and i've noticed a couple youtubers have had the same complaint as well so i think that needs that's one little fix that i'd love to see them make there is one other fix i'd like to see made which is just that, some kind of consistency with the ai like one i've no definitely noticed was like when i was racing in britain 
Maggots and Beckets, which is usually like, you know, a, a tough lo- right, left, right. They were flying through it where it's like uh, at a level that you would not see. Like I had Nikita Mazepin riding on my car around the corners and I was going at, I thought was a pretty decent pace, but like he was taking it at kind of angles that you should not be able to make around the corner, but he was sticking it and passing me on. And I was like, okay, that seems unrealistic. And of course it's a video game, but they're trying to make it like a realistic simulator. So there are some corners that the AI will be a little bit overpowered on, but it's it's not like it's across the gate, like every track. It's just some tracks and some corners they are definitely a little bit overpowered on. Well, and definitely with the AI, they do release patches to improve them, to change driver, stat, driver stats and stuff throughout the year. And I feel like that is going to be necessary. Obviously, things like that where... I, I mean, you. it's funny you mentioned Maggots and Beckets because I've witnessed people race through Maggots and Beckets who all of a sudden, I mean, nobody passes in Maggots and Beckets, ever. Because it's so high speed, it's so dangerous. But literally seeing people go through Maggots and Beckets, take a turn tight and maybe have to brake a little earlier than planned because of a car ahead, and then somebody like Mazepin fires around the outside in Maggots and Beckets, and somehow makes the move stick. We heading on to the back hanger straight, and it's like mm, that doesn't really work. And on that note of Mazepin too, by the way, I mean, <laughs> I know that Mazepin's received a lot of heat for being an F1 this year and whatever. But in my career mode, anyway, so far from playing it, Mazepin has outqualified both Williams. One Alfa Romeo and Mick Schumacher in every race of the year. Yeah. And he has yet to do so in real life. Mick Schumacher is yeah. rated higher than Mazepin. They have the same car. Mick Schumacher has more focus than Mazepin, which is an added stat in the drivers for drivers this year. But yet Mazepin still outqualifies them. Doesn't make any sense. I feel, too, also the Red Bulls need to be a little bit stronger because I've seen in several races where you will have Mercedes lock out the front row, which, of course, is still possible, but then going down the order, I will see on row two both McLarens with Daniel Ricciardo out-qualifying Lando. I will see then in the next one both Ferraris or a Ferrari-Aston Martin split. And then it comes on the f- like fourth and fifth rows is where you see Red Bulls come in. And they're the ones who are leading the championship this year. So, <laughs> to me, that doesn't make much sense. I mean, I just raced in Canada, and it was pretty accurate because coming down to the later part of the race, it was Hamilton, Bottas, Verstappen, and Perez, the top four cars in that order. So, I mean, to some extent, and they were all within like four-tenths of each other too, by the way, which made it super exciting. I had a safety car that let us go free with two laps to go it was madness um (laughs) i ended up finishing p17 (laughs) because of course on my team you uh your car sucks for quite a long time (laughs) so um but yeah ai tweaks i think definitely on the way and much needed for this game yeah but overall you know what i i think it's a definitely an improvement from 2020 which was an improvement from the previous year and i'm glad to see the direction they're going in and I guess we'll see kind of what happens in future seasons because you can't quite buy the 
um, star drivers at this point that are part of kind of like the, the iconic drivers. So uh, we'll see kind of how that all plays out. But on a, overall right now, I definitely give it at least four and a half stars out of five. I, I love the game. I'm going to keep playing the game. You and I, Mitch, we got a two-player career mode. We're going to be starting pretty soon. So we'll have something to talk on that. Well, we will add a weekly F1 2021 update with how our race went. Just a quick two-liner, three-liner. Oh, we sucked. Oh, we were good. Oh, I crashed in the first lap. I was like Mazepin. I spun on turn three. <laughs> it could happen. It, it could very well happen. We're driving Alfa Romeos, and uh, there's no chance to rewind when you're doing two players. So that's kind of our look at uh, F1 2021. And that kind of wraps up everything for the show. Next up, of course, F1, as you we were mentioning, uh, the Hungary Grand Prix over the Hungaro Ring. Uh, for some times to note, we're back from the sprint races and all that stuff. So it's back to just qualifying and then the race. Qualifying is Saturday starting at 6 a.m. Pacific. That's 9 a.m. Eastern. And then the race is Sunday at 6 a.m. Pacific and 9 a.m. Eastern. And then, as mentioned, NASCAR and IndyCar are both off for just one more week due to... Uh, the Olympics on their broadcaster. Uh, NASCAR will return with two straight road courses. They're starting with Watkins Glen on August 8th. And on the same day, IndyCar will be racing on the streets of Nashville. As always, follow us on Facebook. We're on Twitter, at the A Racing Pod. And you can send us an email. We haven't received an email from anybody in a little while anyway. But send us an email at the A Racing Podcast at gmail.com. The EH Racing Podcast at gmail.com. All right, and that wraps things up for us this week. Enjoy the weekend at Hungary, and we'll chat with you guys uh, as we turn to the other side of the summer break. Toodaloo!